Welcome to episode 23 of Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Josh. I'm Joel, and we are late once again, Josh. Well, we said we were going to maybe go to, to, to once every two weeks, and then we did, and then I put it on an episode, and then we went two weeks again. Yeah, and p- part of it's my fault. Well, and part of it was I was sick, and part of it is I got babies, and and part of it is we're uh, we're lazy bums, and part of it is you'd better just be glad when you get the podcast that you get there. Yeah, well, I will say that you're not a lazy bum uh, because while I will take the large portion of us being late, uh, I had some family tragedy happen, but you, sir are a busy, busy man. Uh, well, I was just telling you uh, before we went on the air here, I had not one but two different podcasts uh, that, that launched this week that I'm not the host of, but uh, I am uh, an editor and producer for the, uh, the Focus 53 podcast, which is a business podcast that launches today. And uh, the, the Well Woman show launches uh, March 2nd, which is tomorrow as we record this. I'm not sure when this will go out. I think it'll probably go out on, on March 2nd itself. But uh, yeah, you can check those out at joelsharpton.com. I'll have some links for that. And, uh, and I'll be promoting them on my, my social feeds as well. Uh, good shows, both of them. Uh, they're not, you know, normally up our alley. We, we're not going to be talking about them a lot, but it is cool that I got that now as a, a sort of a side gig going. And a couple of audio books in the works. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As a, I'm, I'm actually, I'm late now on my third one, Zero to Zillions, because of the cold. I've, I've, I've got like the last two chapters of the book I haven't actually read yet or haven't recorded because uh, my voice has been messed up. And as soon as I get that one done. I've got one lined up and potentially another one uh, backed up behind that. So yeah, I got I got to get I got to get busy, man. I'm I'm a two-legged man in a or no, a one-legged man in a butt kicking contest around here. Uh, and also next week, Jay Soderberg and I are going to be recording the first episode of the weekend podcasting. So uh, only podcasting that happens during the weekend, right? Uh, no. Or that's released on the weekend? No, no, no. So the the idea is that we're going to cover, uh, try to cover new episodes generally of shows, but but it, sort of what you and I had discussed about uh, doing with our listener submitted shows. Like, hey, if you have a, a podcast that you want to highlight for us, send in a submission. And we've gotten a couple of those, by the way, and we're going to build up and we're going to do maybe a special episode where we do nothing but listener shows here on Always Listening. But the idea is that we'll do a couple of minutes from a podcaster talking not about their own show, but about another show that they love, highlighting that show. And then Jay and I will discuss it. He's going to bring a show every week to to focus on, and I'll try to bring a show at least uh, every other week. So a little like so. our holiday specials. Sort of like our holiday right. specials, but but in a weekly format. We're also going to do bite-sized news in there at the top of the show. We're going to do a little podcasting news for you. So again, it's, it's just one more thing to feed your podcasting hunger. So let me get this right. It's the weekend podcasting, not the weekend podcasting. The week in podcasting. Okay, all right. I call it. I call it twip. T W I P. That's so dumb. So, all right, uh, Josh. What are we? What are we reviewing this week? Grammar Girl, and it is going to be a special episode because you, sir. Have a bet to pay. I do. I do have a bet to pay off. So, uh, so you and I appeared in a grudge match on Trivial Warfare, the podcast that takes the pub quiz out of the pub and brings it home to you. There you go. You and I appeared on an episode of that in a grudge match against each other. Yes. And we put on the line the loser having to write a love letter to one Rob Sesternino. He of Rob has a podcast. 
Yes. Our longtime listeners, of course, will know uh, that we reviewed Rob Has a Podcast many moons ago, and our iTunes ratings and reviews have still not bounced back, my friends. I, I did not care for the show in our original review. I was a little rude, and because of that, his fans had some pretty nasty things to say. Josh, I have written... First of all, let me own up to the fact that I was pretty terrible at... We were actually both very good until the end of the game. We had a great round, I think, on Trivial Warfare. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we did. Uh, I think we did well for ourselves. And if our listeners go and listen to that episode, which I suggest of Trivial Warfare, I don't I don't think you can capture... There's one question in particular that like put me in the lead that... I want. I think I'm just going to put it as my ringtone. Uh, and it was about what what TV show most often preceded the Bob Newhart show. Oh, oh, and when I went into my long explanation about yeah, how, because one, I didn't have a clue who Bob Newhart was. Uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you what. I couldn't even tell you when the Bob Newhart show was on TV. But then you like, and I give like I've kind of have my answer right, and it's a complete guess. But then you go on this whole explanation about Bob Newhart and that he had like three different shows and he had like Newhart and then Bob at the end. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm definitely wrong. <laughs> and then you give your answer. I was like, yep, that's the answer. He's de- he Obviously, he has to have it right, but you didn't. I did not have it right. I did not have it right at all. And my complete dart throw was right. So it just felt so good. That and and then the final wager was the other place where I I, I screwed the pooch a little bit and uh, I ended up you you beat me very badly in the final score. So that meant that I owed our listeners a poem. I owed Rob a poem. I should say so. Dear Rob, sister Nino, this is for you. Shall I compare thee to an entrepreneur's fire? Thou art more flammable and ignited. Simmons pod do now in HBO's bosom retire, ESPN's shame, but censors, I know, are delighted. Serial has lost my passion and my time, though love for Koenig be not dimmed. I've spent a season in the town of Lyme, whose pigs doth talk, and they're all there for him. But thy eternal season shall never fade, nor be cancelled and replaced coast to coast, nor shall RHAP ever suffer pod fade, but thy Patreon and subscriber list only growest. So long as Rob can talk and podcasts are free, so long lives Rob has a podcast. And this gives life to thee. That's fantastic, man. That's pretty good stuff, right? Yeah. I got I to gotta give you credit. I was at a loss on how to go about this. And you said, oh, you just got to You start with a sonnet. Start with a sonnet and, and take it from there. And so I immediately thought of shall I compare thee to a summer's day and... I'll just go through and list podcasts and, yeah. and connect them to our industry. So there you go. Look, you're not going to do it better than the Bard. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I, I hope you appreciated that. And that brings us finally to the serious matter of today. Let's get to a review of Grammar Girl. Josh, we break a show down by talking about the host likability, the production values, the audio quality, and the content itself. Uh, first, though, let me tell you a little bit about it. Mignon Fogarty is the host of this one. Uh, she's got a funny name, Josh. Have you? Do you know anybody else named Mignon? No, but I know a couple Fogartys. Do you? Yeah. I only John. know John Fogarty. <laughs> I know John Fogarty and his daughter Mignon, who is Grammar Girl. I don't think that's his daughter. But no, but Mignon, listen, she has been around for a long, a long time. She's over 500 episodes now of this show. Grammar Girl is one of the podcasts, as soon as there were 
what felt like professionally produced podcasts. And to me, I go back to the very first ones were coming out of ESPN. And then you had stuff like Stuff You Should Know and a couple of NPR shows that were turned into podcasts. Grammar Girl was there right in the very beginning and already at the at a pretty high level like she is now. It's really, really impressive that she's been around as long as she has. The, the length of the show can be anywhere from... Literally, you've got an episode that we're going to talk about that's two minutes long. We're going to play a full episode. One full episode as a sample within our review of the show. I tell you what, it makes you feel like a real blowhard whenever your review show is longer than the actual show you're reviewing. So so the length, though, could be anywhere from two minutes all the way up to 20. Most of them around the 10 to 12 minute mark. Yeah. That's, I think, the average episode. And weekly. This This is something that she's putting out weekly. She calls it your friendly guide to the world of grammar, punctuation, usage, and fun developments in the English language. That last part is my favorite part. I love it when she talks about the way that language progresses, and in particular, the way that the English language is progressing as we speak it. Did um, Have you had a chance to check out Trevor Noah's new stand-up special, uh, African American? Trevor Noah is the new guy on The Daily Show? Yeah. I have not seen his special, no. Anyway, so he's from South Africa, and he comes over here, and he really what's cool is the perspective of coming over here and realizing that Americans don't speak English. <laughs> that, we took, that we took the English language and we put... 20s on it we made it our own and no one else speaks it like we do no one so i think that's cool is the evolution of language uh that that this podcast shows anyway i do i think these things are fascinating and because of that i generally think the grammar girl podcast is pretty fascinating we start the show though by talking about host likability so let's start with mignon what do you think of her okay so right out of the gate, I feel I felt like I was going to have an issue because, one, I don't speak well, I don't write well, and I don't like people telling me that I'm doing something wrong. So right off, that's kind of what she's doing, right? Or at least that's the way I can possibly take it. But then the cool thing is listening to it is whenever she makes a mistake, she's real cool, like goes up to her like, hey, I need to apologize, I mispronounced this. Absolutely. She's not a grammar Nazi. No. That's the thing. Like, even though she is the grammar girl, she is not a grammar Nazi. She understands and talks about and respects the fact that language is a living thing and the fact that, like, her preferred method of saying something may not be the way that the language evolves. And I really appreciate and respect that. Yeah, right. So because of those reasons, yeah, I like her. She calls this the friendly guide to the world of grammar, and she is absolutely very friendly. One of the first episodes I listened to in our review was episode 497, and the name of that episode is uh, Capitalize the Force. (laughs) And she's talking about specifically, do you capitalize the word force from from Star Wars? Yes, you do. She yes, absolutely. Here's a here's a great clip where she talks about I this. I agree that the force isn't a faith, but I thought there might be other reasons to capitalize it. So I started browsing through the AP Stylebook religion section to see if I could find some kind of analog to the force. I thought about the spirit, since it wouldn't seem out of line to say may the spirit be with you. But the only entry close to that was for the Holy Spirit, which the AP does say to capitalize but only because it's considered a deity, and all monotheistic deity names are capitalized. And I don't see the Force as a deity. So I'm considering that the Force is more like a platonic ideal, like truth and beauty, which are sometimes capitalized. 
For example, the Chicago Manual of Style says, quote, words for transcendent ideas in the platonic sense are often capitalized, unquote. I ran this thinking by Chuck Wendig, who recently wrote a New York Times best-selling Star Wars novel called Aftermath. And he said my reasoning sounded fine to him. The Force is capitalized in the book Aftermath, and the Wikipedia Manual of Style also recommends capitalizing it. So there you go. If you're writing about the Force, capitalize it. As soon as I heard that, I fell in love. I'm like, if she, the, the, first of all, the fact that she was acknowledging it anyway, the fact that she broke it down, the fact that she she gave it some context, she talked about the literature. She's like, hey, there are books written about this. We can go, what do they do in those books? You capitalize the word force. Because it's a thing. Yeah, absolutely. The force is a proper noun. Absolutely. Uh, so what about production values, Josh? You know, I, I wish I didn't clip this out. I thought about it, and then I realized I don't have to because we can literally play an entire episode from her in our show today. But I, I, maybe this isn't fair. Maybe it is. But to me personally, the feel that I get from her theme song is like very much like Channel One from like whenever I'm in sixth grade, <laughs> right? That little, that little kind of rift intro. Uh, t- uh, Telefrancais is the thing that I think about. So uh, when I was taking French in like uh, seventh and eighth grade, we would watch this French children's program, the, the French equivalent of Sesame Street sort of, called Telefrancais. Telefrancais, Telefrancais, da 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 something like that. That's, yes, very much a, it's an educational. Yes, ri- yes. Like, like morning school program. Yeah, the very like yeah. first, I don't know, five seconds or whatever it is, the musical intro really put me back like I was in like sixth, seventh, eighth grade again. So why don't we, do you want to put your, your, your episode in here? No, we're going to save it for content. Okay. I'm literally going to give you all the content of this. <laughs> okay. So let's move then into audio quality. I think it's great. It's just her clean recordings. It sounds, you know, as good as it can with one person. Hey, and I'll tell you what, we, we've had several... Um, shows that we've reviewed uh, that are single host shows, mm-hmm. and those are can be hard. In general, uh, I find that most hosts can't overcome that. But whenever your show is anywhere between two minutes to twenty minutes long, and you have a very focused topic, it works. Yes, she's she doesn't have time to ramble and wander or, or become annoying. Like she gets to the point. She's obviously scripted. She comes in with a thought. She gets to it and she gets out. And because of that, I think this is any individual podcast that I imagine doing in the future, any solo podcast that I imagine doing in the future, this is where I gravitate now is back towards the super short, the super focus, the get in and the get out. And also not locked to any one particular length. Yeah, the average is about 10 to 12 because that is a goodly length to discuss a subject. But sometimes the subject only takes a couple of minutes. But I think think in this case, almost every time the subject only takes a couple of minutes. But what she does is she'll have, you know, her listeners write in and she'll answer questions from them at the beginning of the show. And then she'll give you a little info at the end of the show. So even in eight minutes, you still have a couple of transitions that keep you focused. Yes. So let's get to content now. She doesn't just talk about the rules of grammar, but the why 
behind the rules of grammar often. And uh, as we talked about the evolution of language, a lot of times she'll give you a, a short sort of a history lesson almost of the how etymology. the language evolved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The etymology and where that came from and why we say the things that we do. And I find that so fascinating. For instance, uh, this was a great episode, the Silent Letters episode, number 478, about seven and a half minutes in or so. And, and she describes to you why there are some of these silent letters in our modern English language. And it was awesome. Say the word hug. It begins with the H sound, right? Now say the word huge. What sound does it begin with? H again? Well, yes and no. It's true that we hear it as an H, but it's not the same kind of H that we have in hug. That H is made by just letting air flow past your vocal cords down in your neck. The H in huge, though, is made by raising the body of your tongue up close to your palate and forcing air through that constriction. Say them again, hug and huge, and notice how your mouth is formed and where the air goes. In present-day English, we only pronounce H at the beginnings of words. But in Old English, the H pronounced with your tongue close to your palate could also appear in the middle of a word or at the end. It was spelled as an H in Old English and as G-H in Middle English. And even after English speakers stopped pronouncing those palatal H's, the spelling remained. We know it today as the silent G-H in words such as thought, night, and through. Yeah, that was one of my my favorite episodes. I loved that story. And it's one of those things that I wonder about sometimes. You sit in there, you read a word. And especially for me, like I was I was reading adult. I was telling my oldest son, who's eight now, about this the other day. I was reading adult books when I was like, you know, 10, 11, and 12. I started reading adult novels. And a lot of times you come across a word in writing that you've never heard out loud, that you have no context for whatsoever, right? So sometimes you'll mispronounce a word for years and years before you ever hear it in context somewhere else. So here's something that I think is interesting. Okay. And this doesn't, this little tidbit does not come from Grammar Girl, although I think it would be fascinating for her to uh, do a show on this. Okay. Did you know that in France, the keyboards aren't French language keyboards? No, I didn't. So if you're, if you're typing something like you really can't type in French, really, because they don't have the accents, they don't have the, the things that go along with that language, so writing in French is kind of dying out. So even knowing the correct way to structure a word amongst the younger generation is going away. Do they write in anglicized French or do they just write in English? I think they I think they do the best that they can. So it's sort of a it's a, it's a mixed pot. They, there are still some French words in there probably. But they, they use the English word when necessary or available. They use a French word without the accents a lot. They shorten French right. words. Yes. They, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, yeah. So it's like the, the Canadian A is dying away and people are like, oh, it's some of our culture. It's this, that, and the other. But really it's like, no, your culture is just evolving. Like yeah. it's becoming something new. Uh, with with new influences and new things brought into it, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so w- what episode are you going to share with us here in the content uh, section? I want to say it's episode 496. Okay. It is the hippopotamus episode, and it explores what's the plural of hippopotamus? And you're going to hear that right now. Grammar Girl here. I love Christmas music in general, and one song I think is especially cute goes like this. 
I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Only a hippopotamus will do. But being Grammar Girl, the song also gets me thinking about the plural of hippopotamus because it's a common question. Is it hippopotamuses or hippopotami? Dictionaries list both plurals, and both forms regularly appear in writing that you'll see today. The word originally comes from Greek, where it meant river horse, and it came into English through Latin. Hippopotami is the correct Latin plural form and still regularly appears in scientific writing. But words that come into English can also shed their Latin plurals and take the more anglicized S or ES form. And hippopotamuses appears more often in books and newspapers. For example, a Google Books Ngram search shows that hippopotamuses is slightly more common than hippopotami. And a New York Times Chronicle search shows that the Times clearly favors hippopotamuses. Hippopotami hasn't appeared in that paper since the 1930s, according to that search tool. And Garner's Modern American Usage also recommends hippopotamuses. So when 10-year-old Gayla Peavy sang, And hippopotamuses like me too, she was using the correct plural. This is a short episode because of the holidays, so that's all I have this week, and I apologize for the singing. If you're home for the holidays, show your relatives how to listen to podcasts. You know how great they are, but a lot of people still don't. And if you have some Amazon gift cards burning a hole in your pocket and want to help support the show, start your Amazon shopping at our affiliate link, quickanddirtytips.com slash Amazon. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and we get a small percentage of the sale. I'll put the link in the show description. That's quickanddirtytips.com slash Amazon. That's all. Thanks for listening. I want a hippopotamus yes. for Christmas. Yes. So yes. that's so hippopotamus is completely acceptable. Hippopotamus is yeah. not hippopotami. That works too. It does? Hippopotami would be my preferred uh, nomenclature, I think, for that one. Uh, so, Josh, we've, we've talked about the content. We talked about the audio quality, the production values, the host likability. We've given you several bits from the show here. Uh, are you going to keep listening to Grammar Girl? I am. I'll tell you what. I'm not going to unsubscribe from it. Uh, and if something pops up, I'm like, huh, I wonder. Because uh, one of my favorite moments is f- she explored the word caucus. And we talked about a couple of episodes ago how we'll often in our everyday lives talk about something and what, what we're pulling from is a topic or a tidbit or a line or something that we've heard from a podcast. And often we're like, man, I can't remember where I heard this from. But and then we just spill the information out. Right. And often we don't worry whether that information is correct or not. <laughs> so I'm about to do this right here. So I don't remember where I heard this. But I'm positive it was from another podcast, and they talked about the word caucus and how caucus is an Algonquin word for tribes coming together, right? And so she actually brings that up in the episode when she's discussing caucus, and we're going to play that for you right here. And that's your tidbit. No one knows for sure where we got the word caucus, but it started in America— and may be derived from a Native American word that means one who advises, urges, or encourages. Happy caucusing. Yeah, man. So at the end of the day, 
we don't really know where the word caucus comes from. But I guarantee you, from the point of me first hearing that caucus was a caucus was an Algonquin word, meaning tribes come together, I probably told a couple of people that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's so absolutely I'm something you'd repeat. Yes. So I'm just, especially right now during election season, I'm just spreading misinformation. You're part of the problem, Josh. I am part of the problem. You're part of the problem. Uh, so I appreciated being corrected on it and being able to go now. Well, but that's the, but that's a whole other question is how do you how do you value what one podcast host says versus another? And I would imagine that when it comes to grammar, you're going to trust the grammar girl, right? Um, but so often we listen to whatever podcast, it doesn't matter. We find something that they say intriguing or fascinating or it just tickles us the right way. And then we continue to spread that, right? So I think it's interesting that there's a lot of great things happening with podcasts, a lot of information sharing going on out there. Uh, but I wonder what portion of it is just wrong, just incorrect, right? Podcasters, we're not journalists. I don't have to say things that are right. Yes. I don't have to say things that are true. I'm not being fact-checked, right? But don't you think there is a don't you think there is sort of a Wikipedia feel to it in that there's so much information the like the wrong information and the right information will find a balance generally. Like and the the no, no, most no, no, no. heard information no, no, no. will tend to be the right. No, stuff. no, no. There's no there's like find a balance. No, if something is being said, thirty percent of it is wrong, and seven percent of it is right. It's wrong. All right, all right. Well, uh, now people are just going to start turning off their podcasts. Let's don't let's don't start down that road. I'm going to keep listening to this show. I like this show. I think I'll probably do like you said. I will stay subscribed. I won't necessarily listen to every episode, but many episodes. It's it's so short. It's so enjoyable. It's hard it's not so to listen to because of that, right? Yes, yeah. yes, very much so. Very, very much so. If she put out you know three or four episodes a week, maybe I couldn't keep up with it. But she doesn't. It's once a week. And it's so by size. Want, who doesn't want to feel smarter in two minutes? Absolutely, absolutely. So there you go. That's our review of the Grammar Girl. All right, let's get to some listener feedback. Ooh. Uh, so this comes from Greg, and this is actually a follow up to. Uh, an email that he sent us, uh, Greg Shelton. And Greg had sent us several emails, and one of them, towards the end, he, he says, Hey, oh, guys. Oh, I'm not a fan of Greg Shelton anymore. Why not? Uh, I'm almost positive that in the poll that we put out, he voted that you would win. I think he did. Yeah, so he's I'm He's not dead to you to now. Uh, so so Greg, Greg said he had asked us, though, Hey, have you guys ever thought of just, like, submitting yourselves to Gimlet Media? He did, and we kind of laughed. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. It was a very sweet we're like, idea. We're not, we're not good enough for that, Greg. That's very sweet idea, but yeah, it's just it's just not, that's not the way that you would go about it, I don't think necessarily, but also I don't think we're ready, ready necessarily for them. Uh, but interesting, before we could even really respond to it or discuss it on the show, he follows it up because what did Gimlet Media do? Gimlet Media put out a new show called Sampler. He says, hi guys, following up on my last email suggesting that you guys might want to approach Gimlet to see if they would pick up your show. Well, they have gone and released their own already. It's called Sampler. I've only listened to the preview as the series doesn't start officially until January 18th, but it seems like 
It will be quick fire clips and multiple reviews. On reflection, I don't imagine that a Gimlet production will have that personal connection to the listeners that you guys have built up, which is what I love about your show. So I'm going to stay a loyal listener. Greg, well, we appreciate we haven't lost you to Sampler. Um, but there were more. Many other people wanted to know what we thought about Sampler as it happened. So Kellyanne writes, oh, I forgot to add this. Have you listened to Gimlet's new podcast review show, Sampler? It's a little overproduced, seems more focused on content and creators versus production, sound quality, host likability, etc. Won't be replacing Always Listening. Thank you, Kellyanne. Bonnie Mann says, uh, I have also listened to Sampler and more recommendations are better. I will be listening to both of them. Then Greg puts it out there on the Facebook. This is at the beginning of February. So after the show has officially launched, there's been a couple of episodes of Sampler. He says, all right, I'm going to put this out there. What does everyone think of Sampler? And we got a lot of responses. Derek O'Neill from the Defenders Cast uh, podcast. He says, it's all right. I'll listen again. But the music breaks make it sound a little bit like an infomercial. Anything that shares more about podcasts can't be bad. The lack of show notes is a big downside when I want to get to the podcast that they're talking about. I've noticed that, too. And it's something that I wish like we could do more of. I wish our show notes could be more thorough and I could have not just the episodes that we discuss linked, but even like the, the timestamps, you know, linked in all of our show notes, it's just a time issue. I just, as a two man operation, we just don't have time to do that. It's the sort of thing that sampler though, with the backing of Gimlet, you'd think there's somebody on the staff there that could do really thorough show notes, but they don't. Sampler's got effectively nothing in their show notes. Interesting. Greg says, Uh, I agree it's a bit like an infomercial, especially with all the long advertising in the middle, but I guess that's the super polished Gimlet style. Do they know that their special ad music just allows me to start and stop skipping the ads more easily and quickly, though? Yes, son! (laughs) Also, though the host is naturally likable, the rapport between her and her producer seems a bit contrived, and the intensive editing that goes into a Gimlet production takes a bit of the joy out of the format. I think that, by contrast, Josh and Joel's style is so natural because they were friends before starting their own show, and the dynamic is still evolving, which is one of the biggest factors that keeps me listening to Always Listening. Derek says, I certainly wouldn't be dropping Always Listening. I really can't compare the two shows, particularly given Sampler is only two episodes in. I've never heard a Gimlet show before, but I must admit uh, at the moment, it's just pretty jarring in comparison to most of the podcasts I listen to. That was surprising to me that Sampler was the first Gimlet show that Derek had listened to. Oh, it's, yeah, there's, I, so I, I, I love Gimlet Media. I back Gimlet financially. I've gotten a T-shirt for it. It's a great T-shirt. They have some really, really good shit. Like surprisingly awesome is my new favorite. You like it? I good, love good. it. I listened to. I was telling my wife about it. You know, Adam yeah. McKay just won the Oscar yeah, the other yeah, night. I, you know, whenever I'm watching the Oscars, I generally fast forward through a lot of the speeches. But whenever it came up, and I told Rachel, I was like, I hope this wins because I really like Adam McKay. It did. I just I like Adam McKay. I like surprisingly awesome. So, yeah. Well, and and, uh, it's interesting because Kelly sort of brought it to me. She was telling me the story of that movie. She said that, you know, Adam was like, he he writes funny movies generally, and he's writing this movie about banking, the banking industry, and specifically about the housing loan industry. And uh, she says, you know, how am I going to make this interesting? So he started telling the story to his kids, and he just told it again and again and again until they were like, hey – that's really interesting. And I said, he's got a podcast where he does that same thing. It's yeah. called Surprisingly Awesome. <laughs> um, uh, so Jonathan Oakes uh, commented on the, uh, seri- on the sampler question. He says, I'm kind of irritated by it, frankly. I'm thinking of always listening, right? And it's not like Gimlet doesn't have all of the advantages in the world in terms of well-produced content. I feel like this infringes on the territory of smaller shows that can do this same thing just as well, but now will be overshadowed. 
It's probably just my personal connection, but that was my first thought. I felt like Gimlet should do these awesome shows that the rest of us can't not pick some of the lower hanging fruit as well. That is an interesting point. And I, I sort of agree with him. I see where he's coming from. I don't. So I love Jonathan Oaks. I think that's him just being a friend. Sure. Right. But I don't, I don't agree with it. And I don't think that you can agree with it either when what our whole mission is, is to introduce people to as many podcasts as possible so that hopefully they can find their next one and don't get just, because oftentimes like, dude, I would still just be listening to the same three podcasts and be happy with that and not really exploring and see what was out there if we weren't doing the show. Uh, and I think that that has completely enriched my life. And hopefully some of the shows that we've reviewed and put out there and people have latched onto have, have enriched their lives. There's 600,000 podcasts out there. We will never, ever, 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 never get to them all. So if there's another show out there also putting that type of content and introducing people to something new, um, that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. And and they're doing, they are doing some interesting things with it, things that we can't do, frankly. Like, for instance, there's a, there was a great episode where they discuss um, the, the podcast all about Denzel and the Denzel Washington movies, and they have W. Kamal Bell on it, uh, on the episode. Sure. We're never going to get W. Kamal Bell to come on an episode of Always Listening to discuss his podcast. So that's the sort of thing that they can't... And I'm not likely going to get W. Kamal Bell to come on the weekend podcasting with me and Jay Soderberg either. So that's not something that the shows that we do can do. I think there is room for all of these types of shows, and Sampler's not the only one. There are some other podcast review shows out there. It is interesting to me... That so far, and there are what five or six episodes I think now into Sampler. Have you listened to most of them? Yeah, I, I've listened to every one of them. They've covered a lot of the shows that we've covered. <laughs> yeah. Like not not all of them have have been cross pollinated, but there have been many shows that we've discussed that they have also discussed. Great, so you get even more you get even more uh, eyes on on that show. That's fantastic. But it's so it's like this, man. All right, I love Cajun food and I love Creole food, right? And sometimes I want a gumbo. Which is pretty complex, right? Like you got to have your roux, you need to decide, you know, all these different things about that gumbo. And, and it takes a while to cook. It takes a long time to cook a gumbo, right? Yes. And there's all these different things that go into it. Sometimes I want a gumbo. But sometimes, man, I just want a good crackling. <laughs> and a crackling is nothing but fried pork, right? But it's still delicious. And I will eat a pound of cracklings in one sitting and then think poorly of myself afterwards. So you can enjoy both. If you want a gumbo, come over here. If you want some cracklings, go over there. It doesn't matter to me as long as you're eating. We got something for everybody. All right. And speaking of something for everybody, if uh, this review was not for you, we've got another one coming soon. We're going to be talking about the uh, great, uh, I say great, the, the dramatic podcast. Limetown. That's going to be our next review. You actually mentioned Limetown in your poem. In my in my poem, I did. It's been on the brain. Limetown and the message to um, of the fictional podcasts, narrative podcasts that I've listened to recently, all the way through. Enjoyed them both. We're going to be talking about uh, Limetown specifically. We will do some spoilers late in the episode. We'll talk about it generally early, and then we'll talk about some spoilers specifically as we get into the storyline and where we think it might go potentially in a maybe a second season somewhere down the road. What else is coming up soon? It is March, Josh, and that means that I wanted to get to before we get to the Ides of March. 
March, I want to review the Life of Caesar podcast. Have you listened to any of this yet? Nope. It's been on the list. Uh, it's it's one that I've been listening to for a long time now, uh, and it's a really, really interesting show. It's been a while since we've done a history one, so, so we're going to get to that. And then after Life of Caesar, we're going to talk about caustic soda. We've also got uh, Language of Bromance coming up and more. It is always listening, and we'll review a new podcast for you every week. And before we get out of before we get out of here, um, please, 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 if you like Grammar Girl, if you like any of the shows that were reviewed, the best thing you can do is go and leave them a review in iTunes. Uh, leave them a review anywhere and mention them on your Twitter account. It doesn't matter. Uh, just show them some love because that really, really is uh, the best thing you can do. If you want to take that a step further, there's lots of ways to support shows financially through Patreon. Uh, in fact, I brought in for Joel to look at today uh, a couple of the shows that uh, I support. Uh, one is Lore with Aaron Mankey. And if you support him, um, you will get an anthology at the end of every year about each episode. And I got to tell you, it's it is even better than what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be just a spiral bound transcript, but it's not. It's it is a legit book, man. Yeah, I mean, it looks like he's going to sell this in bookstores. Maybe not, but I I, I think this will be something that you'd be able to go into Barnes and Noble and buy. And the, and the cover, the best part is the the cover is fantastic because on the cover it's this bookshelf, but on the bookshelf are all these little things um, from the episodes from that year. So Robert the Doll's on there. There's a picture of the lighthouse, room two seventeen. Uh, it is it's fantastic. Uh, and then I also brought in my ninety nine percent invisible challenge coin, which is also fantastic. And I'm going to take with me to podcast movement and toss it on the bar and get a couple of free drinks. I, I'm so excited about this. I think that's so cool. I've been watching uh, Roman Mars posting about uh, you know sending out the coins, but also getting some back now. He's gotten uh, challenge coins from uh, different agencies and groups and oh, people that's all cool, over across man. the country. As, as they've gotten their challenge coin, they've sent him one from their agency. So I thought that was really, really cool. Neat stuff. Support your uh, local podcaster, folks. Uh, get in there and, and support the shows that you love. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for listening to us. And uh, thank you for sticking with us through our short hiatus. We will, we will be back soon. Should be back up and running now with weekly episodes uh, from here on out. Thanks for sticking with us. Josh, until we're back again, we've been your hosts. I'm Josh. And I'm Joel. We are always listening. Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find more great reviews and our full list of episodes by searching for Always Listening in iTunes or Stitcher. Or go to blogtalkradio.com slash always listening pod. Find us on Facebook and Twitter as well, Always Listening Pod, and email the show, always listening pod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Enough by Bethany Raber.
Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.